hello, hello, and welcome to a special mini episode of Geek Steep. I'm Rika. And my name is Kelly. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm really excited to dive in. <laughs> I mean, I was really excited last week when we covered our teas, mm-hmm. uh, but fandoms, you know, one in the same 50-50, we do both here. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, 2021, what a year for fandoms. I had a really hard time coming up with this list. I don't know about you. Me too. I Maybe not for the same reason. Well, me was that a lot of my favorite fandoms this year were Marvel-based. And I was concerned that I was going to come out with a Marvel-only list. And I had to kind of really dig. And then once I did, I was like, oh, there was actually a lot of stuff that came out this year um, that wasn't Marvel-based. Just Marvel was the loudest, being Disney, of course. (laughs) They were the loudest about it. Um, So that was kind of the hard part for me. I don't know about you. For me, the challenge was picking fandoms that we haven't explored this season or Ah. that we don't plan to explore later this season. Interesting. Because there were some that, if I'm being really honest with myself, would make the top three list, but it didn't make sense to me to cover them here when we've already done a really great job of highlighting them or we know we're going to in the near future. Interesting. I, I, I I stuck to that mostly. (laughs) <laughs> cool i have I'm good reason <laughs> to see what the deviation was we did not discuss no nope. rules with each other or fandoms we are going in blind and we both picked on our own moral decision making yeah. code absolutely absolutely no outlines no prep well prep on our individual ends but we didn't share the prep with each other so this is going to be super interesting but before we dive into our lists kelly what's in your cup i am drinking a tea from Call Me Sweetie, okay, which is a tea company that focuses around fandom uh, blends, largely novel-based, so literature, mm. uh, a lot of fantasy, a little bit of sci-fi. They have a couple other fandom-y things that aren't books, but that's their wheelhouse. And earlier this year, the owner, Danny, actually made for me a tea blend. Oh. So I'm drinking the blend that she made me. What? And it is called Widow Guest's Wizardly Breakfast Blend. That is so cool. It is a Critical Role fan blend. Oh my god. (laughs) So Critical Role probably would have made my top three list if we had not already covered it. Mm -hmm. This is my sneaky little way of (laughs) getting it in there anyway. (gasps) Nice. Uh, this is a lapsing blend. As we all know, I fucking love lapsing. I'm not talking about lapsing this season, except for these mini episodes. So you gotta sneak them in when you can. So it's also <laughs> my way of getting in a lapsing blend. Uh, this is inspired by the character Caleb Widowgast. I don't know if you remember me because Critical Role resonated strongly with me. Maybe a little less so with you. (laughs) Caleb is the wizard who uh, notoriously as part of his backstory is very involved with fire and flames and, you know, like burnt his parents alive. (laughs) So when I approached uh, working with Danny to kind of like create this tea, I wanted to honor this character. He's my favorite from the series. And... 
I looked compositionally, not necessarily flavor first, Mm -hmm. but story and nod to like the personality of this character first. Nice. So we picked a lapsing and an Assam as the mix for the base so that it was smoky with that kind of like fiery uh, nod, but not overly smoky. It's not a drowning of lapsing. It's just a nice light present element. Mm hmm. Uh, it also has orange, so he is ginger. I just thought orange worked really well with the visual aesthetic of him as a character, while still having some nod to like the fire and the flames. Uh, there's woodruff in here, a lot of more um, almost like herby things, but like soft herby things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a grimy uh, murder hobo wizard, <laughs> right? I'd forgotten that part, but yes. But soft on the inside, really sweet character, um, you know, dealing with a lot of trauma. And so I liked this, like, creamy, uh, also there's whipped cream flavoring. Oh, nice. (laughs) So it's... Oh, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're dealing primarily in terms of flavor with, like, smoke, cream, Mm -hmm. and orange. I kind of described it as, like, a smoked creamsicle when we were, like, spitballing. Yeah. But it's this encompassing of his magical elements and you know abilities as a wizard with his like tragic backstory and then the soft and more lighthearted and uh tender and and just sweet side of him as a person personality wise that's gorgeous you get to work on something like that and then have it just I mean, have it work, you know? I mean, these could be really disparaging, like, distinct flavors that don't combine, but it sounds lovely. Danny did a very, very good job with very, very little guidance (laughs) on my part. I mean, I listed things I wanted, and she did a really good job of making that a reality without a lot of context. Interesting. Oh, that is so cool. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) It's a good tea. It sounds great. So uh, what did you pick? So I am currently in honor of our top geeks of this year episode wearing my Darth Vader ugly Christmas sweater. And it looks so cozy. It is so cozy. This is one of my favorite sweaters. I've had it for years. Um, I want to wear it year round because it's just a really comfortable, geeky, fun sweater. And so I was in a very kind of comfort mood and I gave you as guidance, I want a dessert by Deb tea. That's like literally all I said. Um, I, I really like her teas. I think that they always kind of give me that sense of like cozying up. I know she does you know, many different flavor profiles and many different kinds of teas, but I always feel like I need a fireplace with a dessert by Deb tea. So this sweater with uh, maple chai sticky buns, because you gave me a few to choose from. And this one, as soon as I smelt it, I was like, oh, I want to drink this. This is what I want to drink. This sweater and this tea are perfect together. And uh, so that's what I have in my cup. So I... I own this tea. I haven't actually personally tried it yet. So, oh, really? So what is it like? Oh, man. It's it's on a black base. Um, it's got a lovely, uh, very, like, like a sticky bun flavor. Like a, like a, not, sh- a lightly sharp cinnamon. Now that I have to describe your tea to you, I'm like, all right, I gotta stick another sip. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it tastes like the top of a sticky bun. It's got that cinnamon I can taste that um the sweetness of the glaze 
Um, I think that's where the maple comes from. It's not a heavy maple, like by any means at all. Um, but I, you take a sip and you just kind of want to hold it closer. It is just like a sticky bun that just came out of the oven, which is nice. Love that. We're both in our own respective cozy kind of tea moment. Yes. And it's good to get a good cozy tea moment because all we're going to be discussing right now are our fandoms of this year. So bring on the geeks. I started <laughs> last week. Let's just dive right into it in no particular order. What are your top three fandoms of the year? All right. First fandom I'm going to discuss is Ghostbusters. <laughs> I I see where the exception (laughs) was made. The exception was made because, Kelly, I did not tell you this because we had to keep this list a secret, but last night I went to go see the new Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife. All right. Well, I plan on seeing it, so no spoilers. No. But rating out of 10? I'm assuming a 10. It's on the top three list. It's it's not. It's actually not. This is... Okay, so this is why... I am able to sneak it in there because, yes, we had a whole episode about Ghostbusters, but I've had so many things happen since we recorded that episode related to Ghostbusters that I need to dive, like explain them here. So I went to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. If you are a casual lover of the movie Ghostbusters, it's a solid 6 out of 10. If you are an obsessive compulsive lover of the 1984 Ghostbusters movie, it's a 10. I have never seen fan service on this level. I've never, I've never seen this. I have ever, I'm not going to spoil anything, but literally at the end, I was like, no, no, I'm full. Thank you. Like you've given me so much. Like it's so much to the point where I think to the casual viewer who does like Ghostbusters would find it derivative in the worst possible way. Um, but I'm not here necessarily to talk about, I'm not putting Ghostbusters Afterlife on my top three. It's the franchise. And it's because, as I said at the time of recording the episode, I didn't realize until we did Geek's Deep that Ghostbusters is apparently my favorite movie of all time. No idea. Um, I went dressed as a Ghostbuster subsequently for Halloween upon this discovery, and I looked amazing, just FYI. (laughs) But also, this is the first fandom that my daughter has picked up on that is also my fandom. And I said this when we recorded that she got into the movie and really enjoyed it. I have tried showing her Star Trek. She doesn't care. Um, She'll occasionally watch Star Wars, but she'll never ask for it. Since recording that episode, however, she has asked for Ghostbusters, each of the three movies that are out four times. We have watched the entire Ghostbusters trilogy four times now. She is officially obsessed. She sings the Ghostbusters song when I brush her hair at night. Like she's like, this is her first fandom that we share. This is absolutely her first fandom. And it really became solidified to me when we were on our third rewatch of the 1984 Ghostbusters when the Marshmallow Man appeared. And she said uh, in her beautiful uh, voice of a five-year-old, oh shit, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's her first swear word. <laughs> and the pride I felt followed by the you can't say that explanation that I gave her, which you know what? You don't get a lot of mom wins. I got I had a mama win in there. She understood it. She accepted it. 
And she was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, okay, good. Like, it's just, you have to grow into that word, I said. You have to, that word becomes, is very important and has many different meanings. And you don't know all the meanings yet. And she was like, can you teach them to me? And I was like, oh, yeah, I can teach them to you, just not today. (laughs) But, oh, shit, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is absolutely a win for me this year. Uh, You guys, she's she's into it so much. And she loves it so much. and, And she loves it from such a genuine place that it could not not be my you know one of my fandoms of this year the whole the whole thing so yeah i think that's so sweet (laughs) adorable and i mean like i have met bird yeah i've met both your kids yeah uh it's not a fandom that i ever would have expected her to pick up on me neither at all and i think that's kind of what makes it so great i think that's what makes it really great is that it's not at all what she's usually into and she just she's asked to put it on and i'm like yeah sure okay we can put it on and she's asked to put it on for family movie night she gets one pick a week for family movie night and she put that on and it's it's become a part of it. And when I saw the movie last night, again, no spoilers, but I basically said, like, there's a lot of kids. There's kids in this Ghostbusters movie. She's just so excited now. She's like, well, there's kids like me? And I'm like, yeah. So I can't wait for her to for her to be able to see it. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, Ghostbusters. Again, I got that out of the way. I decided to start off with that if you fast wanted to fast forward through me talking about this fandom again. My second pick is a strange one. Okay, I'm really fascinated off the bat to know what you think is strange. <laughs> it's not that it's strange, is that it's not what we typically consider to be a fandom. In oh, the sense okay. that there's... Well, it's not what I consider to be a fandom because there's no fantasy or sci-fi element at all. Um, last year, I put 30 Rock... The 30 Rock fandom on my list for 2020. Um, and this show, might, much like The Office has there is a groundswell of a huge fan following and that is apple tv's ted lasso i have heard of ted lasso i have not actually started watching it so i'm really excited to get your take on it because i've had many many people tell me i need to yeah uh, yeah i'm gonna put it on the list of need to i'm gonna put on the list of need to there this show is incredible the show is incredible. And I started watching it because I like Jason Sudeikis and because I had free Apple TV for a year. And so, you know, I just went with it. Um, no, I audibly gasp every episode. I audib- I cry heavily. This is probably the show where that makes me cry the most from just beauty. Just beauty of human nature regularly. Um, I cannot wait for the next episode to come out every single week. Fr- getting to Fridays is horribly long the characters are rich and real they're real they're real people who make real decisions and they i don't feel like they make those decisions for the sake of drama which is really nice it's a comedy but i feel like sometimes they put you know in tv shows characters are put through things just for the sake of good television and here i really feel like the characters are making decisions because that's what makes sense to their characters and it's incredibly witty and incredibly funny but it is definitely one of those shows that you have to watch to get it's not i i i'm not going to convince you in this moment to watch ted lasso other than your trust in me and the other people who have recommended it to you because it is wholly unique in its style and it starts off and you think okay this is just going to be another sitcom and very soon you realize 
yeah, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It gives you a faith in humanity, Kelly. Well, now I am genuinely <laughs> a lot more excited than I was prior to give this a shot. Yeah, and, and the fans are huge. And I'm finding people are fans and wanting to talk about this show in areas of my life that I didn't expect. You know, people that I am friends with, but not, you know, particularly close. We've definitely bonded and our friendships have become deeper because of this show, which is such a weird thing to say. But this fandom has brought me closer to a lot of different people. And I just highly recommend it as a show. Genuinely, it's it's excellent and definitely on the list this year. All right. So I haven't seen a Marvel pick. Yet. <laughs> so going into pick three, this is my my guess is we're going to see a Marvel choice. You are correct. This is the one where I feel like we have the most risk of overlap. Loki. It's so good. Oh, wow. Loki. Okay, so Marvel came out with a bunch of TV shows this year. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. Um, what was the other one? Oh, What If. You know, there were a lot of Marvel properties released this year, but Loki is absolutely at the top of my list because I have not seen an homage to late 60s, early 70s, brutalist style science fiction in years. I mean, the design of this show, the concept behind this show, the execution between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson on in so many scenes for so many reasons on so many levels um, was just beautiful to me. And it felt like science fiction as opposed to fantasy, which, you know, I lean way harder into the science fiction world than I do into fantasy. But it did, it reminded me of like, I don't know, uh, definitely Blade Runner, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner in terms of its visual interpretation, um, Logan's run kind of aspect yes, to it that really enchanted me. And so it felt like old school sci-fi, but with a modern take. And I just, I really liked everything that show gave me. Be it the representation, be it the diversification, be it the just the dialogue, the delivery, the look, the feel. Like, oh, I am all about Loki this year. It, it was definitely the best Marvel property out of everything that they've released. It's a great show. It's such a good show. Yeah. So those are those are my top three for the year. Those are basically the 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 different aspects of Marika as seen through fandoms released. <laughs> In 2021, I want to wrap my part up so bad because I need your list. I need your list. Like, it's been two weeks we've been prepping this on our, like, individual sides. I need to know what you picked. All right. I'm going to start with Loki. <gasps> it's the one we've got that's an overlap. I knew it. Yeah. I, knew I, it. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a gut feeling. I was very torn between this and WandaVision. I was as well. I, I, I spent a conservative hour really with a list of pros and cons. I also heavily weighed <laughs> the pros and cons. <laughs> and I think for me, the deciding factor or factors, because mm -hmm. it was close. Yeah. Personally, I prefer Tom Hiddleston as an actor mm. a little bit more. I've watched more of Tom Hiddleston's uh, work outside of the Marvel Universe. Right. 
And so there is a stronger pull there compared to some of the casting choices made in WandaVision. Although all of the casting is so good. Yeah. To be like abundantly clear, I'm not saying that WandaVision had bad casting. No, WandaVision was an amazing, amazing show this year. Uh, But Loki just, I mean, yeah, went next to that next step. They took that next step. I don't think I ever could have pictured Owen Wilson within a Marvel property. And yet they made him fit in what I think is probably the best role they possibly could yeah. have given him. It is the most Owen Wilson role. <laughs> and he crushed it. He crushed He's so good. And the interplay between them is so good. And yeah. Okay. I'm going to let you talk because it is technically your time to talk about it. But it's... Uh, I geeked a lot over this one this year. It was good. So it, it was the casting. I mean, the casting for Kang the Conqueror. Also oh, perfect. fucking amazing. On he point. is unexpected mm-hmm. as a choice. But I can already tell that when we see him in future Marvel properties, I'm going to love seeing all of the variations. Yeah. The, the flexing he's going to be able to do in terms of stylistic acting choices. Mm-hmm. I I think a huge part of why I picked this is that not only is it standalone exceptional, mm-hmm. it made me so much more excited for upcoming Marvel properties. It did, yes! Than I ever would have thought like a TV show could have made. And we've already crossed so many boundaries in terms of the Marvel Universe that people, when, like, that first Iron Man movie, that yeah. first, like, Thor movie came out, ever thought we would have got to. We got the Avengers movie. People, you know, a, a franchise building up to, like, an ensemble movie like that with sole dedicated movies to the bulk of the cast Seemed insane. At yeah, the no, time. It, oh, it wasn't gonna. It, it was never gonna happen. Like we knew it was never gonna happen. And then we got it. Yeah. People said Civil War that plot arc. Yeah. Too complicated. There's no way you could ever set up a movie to cover Civil War. It's just too much in terms of its mm-hmm. storytelling. And then we got. And it. And then we got it. I. Th- Sorry, I just say I think you're right. I think WandaVision was weird and brilliant and interesting and pushed the characters so much further than I thought they could go. But I also thought because it was a TV show that it was going to be a one-off. I was like, that's going to be their weird property. Marvel's making that their like kind of weird property. But you're right. Now that you're saying it, Civil, you know, it was... They can never make Thor. They made Thor. They can never do Civil War. They did Civil War. We're never going to see anything like Endgame. Endgame was like the biggest movie in the history of, you know. And with WandaVision, I was like, okay, good. They're going to do this one weird thing. But low-key, it's going to be silly. It's going to be, you know, weird. But it's not going to be good necessarily. And it turned out to be great. Yeah, the ramifications franchise-wise. Yeah. Spill over, I think, anything than we've already seen within the Marvel Universe. And we've seen a fucking lot. We've seen so much in these 13 years or whatever. It's been a hell of a ride. The arc that even the singular character Loki has gone through. Yes. From being the one-off villain in one movie that, like, maybe people would understand who Loki is as a character. Yeah. He's not that well known. To now having his own standalone series going from being a villain to a heroic lead 
you know, the multiverse spinoffs variant Lokis. We got Ugh. Kid Loki. We got fucking Alligator Loki. Alligator Loki <laughs> is everything to me. So it, it makes the list because of the ramifications scale wise mm. while still being a good, genuinely entertaining contained property. Agreed. Well, yeah, it's our one overlap. I thought it was going to be, but I'm happy it made your list. Okay. We've, we, we've discussed the greatness that is Loki. What is your second pick? My second pick is a thing that I don't think you know what it is. Yay! Dimension 20. Not ringing a bell. Cool. I kind of expected as much. <laughs> is it an anime? It's not an okay. anime. It is, however, a D&D show. Oh, okay, yeah. So, obviously, I fell in love with Critical Role this year. That was a new discovery for me in terms of fandom. But it reignited an existing love. Okay. And that was the love of Dungeons and & Dragons. And after recording our Critical Role episode and, you know, being so deep down that rabbit hole, I discovered another um, another Dungeons and Dragons themed series mm-hmm. called Dimension 20. Okay. This is uh, on the Dropout platform. I'm not sure if you're familiar. No. It's a platform that was an offshoot of College Humor. Okay. And they yeah. have a lot of content that is good. Also a lot that's just like not my style. A lot of like sketch bits and I mean, if you're familiar with the content that College Humor puts out, it's really varied. Mm-hmm. Um, Dimension 20 is DM'd by Brennan Lee Mulligan, who is one of the like cast members and I think a writer on a bunch of uh, College Humor properties when like College Humor was a thing and now is very involved in dropout content. But he's also... A fucking incredible dungeon master. Okay. So what Dimension 20 explores is through smaller campaigns. So Critical Role, for example, 100 plus episode campaigns that are like four hours a pop. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking intense time investment. Dimension 20 is mini campaigns that run on average you know, four to maybe 20 episodes a campaign. Okay. And they've done several. They had a a bank that was already like, you know, six or seven series when I discovered them this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one that I fell in love with particularly that introduced me to them is their Misfits and Magic campaign. Okay. Which is loosely harry potter inspired oh and it's a very small campaign it's you know four episodes they're about two hours each so it's shorter in length than your average tv series Mm -hmm. and it was just a really refreshing take on tabletop it was humorous and very comedically driven okay uh you know I am used to a lot of traditional Dungeons and Dragons, you know, wizards, elves, orcs, all of the fantasy elements. And I mean, yes, this is still fantasy, but we're we're dealing with loosely the the world of J.K. Rowling and mm-hmm. you know Hogwarts and uh, you know spellcraft uh, casting and dueling and finding your magic familiar and it was just refreshing refreshingly different and the cast is really good and the cast changes from series so i've watched a couple of their series now 
Another one I really loved uh, was A Crown of Candy, which is almost like a Game of Thrones-ish. <laughs> okay. Politically intense, like, different kingdoms fighting for, like, political power that is set in Candyland. <laughs> and the, I'm on board. The different I'm kingdoms <laughs> are, like, a land of dairy and the, the meat land and, you know, Candyland. The main cast are yeah. all from Candyland. Oh, sweet. And okay. so you have sweet, this, pun intended. <laughs> this high, like, political stakes, a lot of, uh, you know, that incorporated into the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons, while also main characters are chocolate rabbits and, you know, red licorice people and... It's just so that's unique. Brilliant. That is, yeah. That's because at first I was like listening to you describe the fandom, and I was like, I am so happy for Kelly that she's found this. <laughs> yeah. you know? I was like, oh, good, good, good that you found something that made you happy like this. But I was not like on board at all. I was like, you know, that that's that's where she is, and good for her. But then, yeah, that kind of extra step of being really creative. With the Candyland thing, I like people who think like that. I like people who are able to take something as fundamentally important to them, but make it a little silly and make it fun. Yep, those are those are my people. Those are my people on board. Sold. <laughs> so Dimension 20, definitely think it's worth checking out. All right. If Dungeons & Dragons and that tabletop style is your thing. Very cool. Interesting. All right. And what's your number? Th- I feel like, did you save the best for last? Or? We're not going in a particular no, order. I know, I know. But I just feel like you set it up with two really interesting fandoms. Now I'm deeply curious. What's number three? So my third pick, we've talked about it before a little bit. Resident Alien. Oh, with Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have yet to see this. Alan but- Tudyk. Is amazing. Okay. Always. But to be clear, not the reason I started watching this series. Okay. Lovely cherry on top, though. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful cherry on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, So Resident Alien uh, came out, I might have the date wrong. It either came out very, very end of 2020 or early 2021. It aired a lot in uh, in the first like chunk of this year, though. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact date. And it was based on a graphic novel series of the same name. I am a huge fan of the graphic novel series. Mm -hmm. So I've read this uh, since it first started coming out. I own the first half of the series, like physically, but I've read all of it. And it's unique. It's really well done. The general premise is that an alien crash lands on Earth and has to, like, you know, fit in amongst the people. Mm -hmm. But it's this unique mix of uh you know like sci-fi and and the obvious you know can he blend in is he human enough for the humans that trope while also having a medical connotation because he takes over the physical form of the only doctor oh no (laughs) in the like small town that he lands in okay and then is expected to like fill in as this doctor with his obviously shitty knowledge right his non-existent knowledge of human physiology 
And the doctor, the reason he has to do that is because the former city doctor was murdered. Oh. So it also has this like crime uh, mystery drama element to it. Okay. Where they're like solving the murder of this doctor who was killed while he also is the new doctor and he's an alien. And it's like, it's so much genre mashup. Right, right. That's written in a really uh, surprisingly and beautifully cohesive way. Okay. And so the series is good. The TV series, drastically different in terms of, like, the plot details than the comic series. Mm -hmm. And that threw me off when I first started watching it. But it's just really funny. The physical comedy that Alan Tudyk brings to the role... Is fucking insane. He's so good. I mean, he's so, so good in so many different things. Um, he was the robot and I robot. And to me, that just remains one of his greatest, greatest executions. He's the voice of the robot in, was it Solo or? Uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. That's what he was. He's also my favorite fun fact in terms of roles Alan Tudyk has been involved in. The voice of the chicken in Moana. Yes, <laughs> Because he's in every, like, Pixar movie. He was in Frozen. He was in, like, Zootopia, you know, and all those kinds of things. He's amazing with his voice. He's, of course, from Firefly. Which, Kelly, now that I realize it, are we? We got it. I mean. We have to. Eventually. Yeah. I mean, I just realized. That it's we... The only reason we haven't, I think, is because we've done Buffy two seasons. And it's another Joss Whedon property. I know, but it's Firefly. It's Firefly. I feel like, I feel like we've been bad. That we haven't already discussed. I feel guilty that I haven't already discussed Firefly with you. But yeah, he's he's in Firefly. He's always a delight. I am never disappointed by Alan Tudyk. Except when he didn't show up to Montreal Comic Con. But he had a previous engagement. I get it. But that was the only time I was disappointed by him. But every other role he's ever been in. Phenomenal. Phenomenal actor. So I genuinely think he would absolutely love this series. Yeah. But another element to it, on top of all of that, that already makes me love it, and the thing that I think pushed it over the edge in terms of making my list, the, uh, I guess, opposing him, the other main role, uh, the other like lead character, is a Native American woman. Mm. And her story is really beautiful. But the, the representation of that culture that I saw portrayed so early on and so consistently through through the series just really got me emotionally and to be like very abundantly clear here for like our listeners who maybe might not know i am a white woman i am a like (laughs) i am a pasty pure driven snow kind of situation is what we've got over here listeners But I grew up in an area of Saskatchewan that did have a very, very large indigenous population. Mm -hmm. And most of my classmates through elementary and then even going into high school were indigenous themselves. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that culture was surrounding me growing up. I have attended like multiple powwows. I had a lot of uh, teachers who would have medicine wheels and things like that up Mm -hmm. in their classrooms. We studied things like the meaning of the medicine wheel within my elementary school. That is so cool. I have been to the reservations around the area I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And one thing that like, especially, especially got to me about this show 
there is a moment where this character is kind of letting go and mourning a thing from her past. And I won't give it away so that people can watch the show and, you know, not have that content surprised. But in doing so, there is a scene where her father cuts off her braids. Oh, God. So that sounds traumatic. Yeah. Within a lot of indigenous cultures, growing your hair out and wearing your hair in braids is really, really, like, spiritual. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, no, for sure. You grow your hair as long as possible. And when something happens, when you lose a loved one, when mm-hmm. you're going through a period of of deep sadness or mourning or loss, a lot of people will cut off their braids. Yeah. And this is something I've seen happen growing up. Uh, you know, I, we lost, um, when I was in high school, one of my, my classmates, uh, in, in the native studies class that I took because Mm -hmm. I, in place of history in my high school, I, I studied native studies. It was offered at my high school. And one of my classmates lost his brother in my grade 11 year. And almost every male student in my class who was friends with him, they all like cut off their braids. Oh my God. And they kind of like collectively mourned and supported uh, this classmate. And I kind of a little bit broke down during this scene mm. because having lived this have not personally but through having seen it through yeah having having been situationally around people who mm-hmm. who carry that weight and have that element of of that spirituality and you know my best friend living in Saskatoon her partner's hair was like almost down to his ankles Mm -hmm. he'd never cut his hair in his whole life and uh oftentimes they would like come over and she would like comb out his hair and like braid his hair and Mm -hmm. it was very like there's a level of intimacy there and to be allowed to like to like be with them when when Mm -hmm. that is going on like the heaviness of that moment the the weight of that choice was not lost on you. It was not lost. Yeah. And to see things like that represented through, like, this mainstream series. Yeah. Um, to see, like, depictions of reservation life and and just all of these different elements woven in and treated with such respect. Mm-hmm. And authenticity. And authenticity to this silly alien <laughs> crime medical murder TV show. <laughs> I don't know. What a beautiful juxtaposition. It was great. It it was very, very beautiful. And I mean, there are many reasons I would recommend this series. Alan Tudyk being among the top right. of the list. But the cultural sensitivity, mm-hmm. the representation, the diversity of the cast, all of these things come together and kind of put it in my top three. I really want to watch it now. I mean, you've definitely whet my appetite for watching it now. It was on my list, but it was pretty far down the list, to be honest. Um, not because of anything, just because it's, a, it's it's quite the list. So, you know, but it's definitely been been bumped up now because I I just, you, your description was uh, deeply enthralling and now I want to <laughs> see it. 
Wow. Well, I I don't have any follow up to that except apparently watch Resident Alien <laughs> and Ted Lasso and, Ted Lasso and Twenty and, and Loki, Loki. Apparently, yeah. No, it was a it was a fun year. I'm happy we were able to you know share again uh, this experience with each other with everyone else. If you want to hit us up, you can find us on Instagram and all of the other socials at Geekstube. We want to know what were your top fandoms of the year. We actually pulled several of our viewer pick fandoms this year based on the top fandom list from last year and the fandoms that people said impacted them the most and recommended we checked out. So please, please tell us your top fandoms. You never know. It might inspire a future episode of Geeks Deep. Thanks so much. Have a happy new year, everyone.